Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes of public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is also sponsored by the POCUA, a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement, as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. Always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals, and you deserve better. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have a really intriguing guest here today. Her name is Rhonda Y. Williams, and she is the stress-free leader, uh, and she has a lot of experience in healthcare and has a really interesting take and program for law enforcement. So we're going to cover a couple of public safety arenas here, if you will. Rhonda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ken. I'm very excited to be here. I'm not as excited as I am, you know, for the audience. Uh, we met via Facebook less than a week ago, and I said, you know what? We need to have you on the show. So we fast-tracked this. So so it's awesome <laughs> that you're here. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm excited, and who knows where this conversation will go, but it'll be all good. When, when I'm hosting a podcast, nobody, including myself, knows where the heck it's going to go. Uh, but but let's start with the fact that you have you've had an extensive career in healthcare. You know, what did you learn about leadership during that tenure? Since you are now the stress-free leader. <laughs> Great question. Well, Ken, you know, for me, I had a wonderful opportunity to do uh, several different roles uh, in terms of my leadership life. Uh, I've been at the supervisory level, the management level, um, and then moved up to uh, become the chief nursing officer at at the hospital um, and the hospital CEO. So I've had an opportunity to view leadership from many different perspectives and levels. And what I learned about leadership is that um, it is incredibly humbling, um, can be very, very expiring, all while being one of the most challenging roles uh, oftentimes uh, we face in our in our adult lives. And so for me as a leader, I really learned that I had to get real with myself. Hmm. I had to get comfortable and understand who I was in order to begin showing up as the best possible leader that I could be. You know, when I went into leadership, um, there wasn't, a, there were, for most of us, there is no manual, right? Most time you get the keys to the office, you get told, here's the budget, here's your space, have at (laughs) it, we know you're gonna be great, right? And and so through that, we learn our way, we find our way. And sometimes we scrape our knees and we fall down and we have to pull ourselves back up. So I've learned a lot through that that I now apply to the work that I do today in the stress-free leader. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, my my wife's in healthcare, so I I have a a vicarious understanding of the demands of a healthcare job. Um, I I won't know it personally because I've never been in it, but uh, but I feel your pain or 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 or, poss- or, or the possibility of pain because obviously you've you found a way around that, and so you call yourself you branded yourself, which I think is very wise as the stress-free leader you know is that even true can we even have that today in the in the days of covid and unrest and everything else that we've we got going on today well there's two answers to your question so 
is it possible to really be stress-free? Technically, no, but practically, <laughs> yes. Okay, technically, no, practically, yes. So technically, of course, we, I back up and I think, well, what is stress even, right? The stress is the body's response to demand or challenge. Uh, so we know that there are going to be stressors in our life. It's a natural part of who we are as human beings. Mm. Um, so that being said, the practical aspect of stress is what we have to do our very best to manage. So uh, practically speaking, we know that there's good stressors. You're getting married. You're buying a new house, right? That's stress, but it's that mm. good kind of stress that can help you focus. It can be motivating. But the stress that I focus on working with leaders is the stress that becomes chronic, overwhelming, right? The demand just gets really heavy where you sort of get the feeling that the elephant's sitting on your shoulders all day and it just won't leave, yeah. right? That's the kind of stress that we have to be cautious about because stress affects us not only mentally, it affects us emotionally, it affects us physically, right? There's a physiological response that our body goes through in terms of secreting hormones and what it's gonna do. Are you gonna flight? Are you gonna fight? You know, all of that happens. And so practically speaking, my, my mission is a, a leadership revolution, right? So that leaders get to the point where they are saying, overwhelming and um, this heavy burden of stress is no longer expected or accepted, right? If it comes and we're in a particular environment, we should be managing away from it, not just accepting it as, oh, well, of course you're a leader. Of course you're stressed out. I'm like, no, that's not okay, right? Because those leaders don't do their best work and they don't contribute to the bottom line in a way that uh, organizations want them to. Is that possibly, I, I, I agree with you, and the way, the way that I'm understanding it is kind of your approach and acceptance of the stressors that are out there, uh, because as most people will, will teach, and you probably do the same, you, know, you have that half second between stimulus and response, you know, you, right. you could choose, and I've seen this too from family members and so forth, people that have had cancer that have cho chosen to be positive, have chosen to not stress about their illness or stress about mm -hmm. a bad situation, have chosen to, to live life per se. But in the times that we're in today with, with COVID and unrest and so forth, especially for healthcare leaders as, as you've been, um, or even police chiefs and so forth that are, are dealing with things that are so heavy and don't seem to go away. You know, sometimes you think, okay, tomorrow will be better. Well, tomorrow we're going we're gonna to be dealing with the same stuff. You know, is that, is that stress-free leadership approach even realistic in times of high crisis like this? Not only is it realistic, um, it is something we need to be striving for. Um, so the difference in really our stressors um, is how we choose to view it, right? There's always two responses. You can choose one path, which will take you down the path of a more positive thought response and therefore reaction. You can also choose that, you know what, this sucks. Here it is again. It was here <laughs> yesterday. It's back today. Yeah. It comes every day and it won't leave. Well, while that might be true, how's that helpful? Yeah. 
right? It, it doesn't really serve you. And so what I teach leaders is choose the response that's going to serve you and your team best. And that's typically the one that's the more positive response where you look at it and you go, okay, guys, now I by no means advocate living in a fantasy world, right? I am not a fantasy person. I do, although I do like Marvel and, you know, all of those shows. But, you know, aside from that, I'm not really the fantasy person. I am very much a realist. And so I want you to be able to see what's in front of you and say that that sucks. And this is not good. Yeah. And then what? And then what? That's what I coach to. That's what I teach leaders. It's the and then what that can really help you get down that road to where you are managing your stress levels. You're not damaging yourself physiologically based on the stress reactions that are happening inside of your body. And you can lead your team in a much more effective, more consistent way um, where you also are helping them learn how to lead and manage. Yeah. So yeah, they're not gonna go away, but we should be managing them in a way that supports us. Yeah, to your, to your point, I've heard uh, more than, than one um, leader in law enforcement say, given some of the unrest that we've had in 2020, that this is nothing new. You know, we, we had this 20 years ago or 10 years ago or even 30, 40 years ago. Um, we go through these cycles and to, to your words, it sucks. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to have to deal with it. But many of them have said, you know, this too will pass, which being the, the impatient person myself, I always say, what do you mean it's just going to pass? What do you mean it's just going to go away? You know, it's here now, you know, let's be pissed about it. Um, <laughs> but speaking of, of law enforcement, I'm really, really interested to hear about a program that you offer, which is emotional intelligence for law enforcement. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. So a part of the work that I do and, and really everything that I coach to is grounded in emotional intelligence. You know, I had to come to terms with my own emotional intelligence when I got through, when I was involved in a couple of um, life crises moments, as I call them, right? One with my job, one with my personal life, dealing with a divorce and really had to get in touch with my own emotional intelligence. But through that, I became fascinated by it what is this thing right called emotional intelligence it was becoming a buzzword people are trying to figure it out and so and i've studied it now for years i've been studying emotional intelligence what i understand about emotional intelligence is it is absolutely critical for all of us especially leaders to understand it and while we are familiar with the term most of us don't really know what to do with it. Yeah. Right? How do I apply it to my life? So the moment that somebody pulls out in front of me or in the traffic where they know I was there, they should not have done that. What do I do, right? Where's my emotional intelligence in that moment? And so, um, so that's sort of how I got involved in emotional intelligence. And I've been working with it and developing programs for leaders around emotional intelligence. At the end of the day, emotional intelligence is really about two things. It's about what you know and what you do. Okay, I'll say that again. Emotional intelligence is about two things, what you know and what you do. And if what you do is not informed by what you know, right, that's a challenge. But if you don't know enough to make a good decision, that's also a challenge. So the work that I do 
with emotional intelligence, I uh, recently had a friend contact me and say, um, hey, I was talking to, my husband was talking to a police chief and you do emotional intelligence work. And I said, absolutely. And, um, and she said, well, they were trying to figure out how do they make better hiring decisions? Mm. How do we hire the right officers and get the right recruits into the account academy? Um, he had been to an emotional intelligence program and was trying to follow up, but wasn't really getting anywhere. So she put him in contact with me. So through that conversation, a light bulb went off for me where I thought, oh my gosh, this work that I have been doing and dedicating some years to would be so valuable to our uh, law enforcement teams across the nation. And basically what I did was I sat down and I talked with this police department. What are your needs? Where are your challenges? And we came up with a few different areas of focus. Number one, the hiring process. How do we get the right um, recruits in so that we are starting from a good place in the beginning? And so we talked about how you can mold and mesh emotional intelligence all the way through the hiring sequence so that you get, now nothing is perfect, right? There is no magic right. or silver bullet for anything. Um, but there's a real opportunity. Actually, you there. know what? I'm going to stop you right there because I want a silver bullet. <laughs> we, we, we brought you out as an expert and I expected a silver bullet. So, you know, come up with one, will you? <laughs> All right. I'm working on that. Maybe yeah. by the end we'll come up with a, with a silver bullet. You know, I just wish there was magic, but you know what? There's just not. And so, you know, some days your meter is going to work and other days you're going to be like, man, that was way off. But <laughs> so what we did is we talked about the hiring process. What does the screening process look like? What are the interviews? How can we switch up our interviewing style and processes to make sure that we're getting to the heart of who this individual is and why they went into law enforcement. Because we know most law enforcement officers go into it absolutely from a positive place, right? And wanting to serve the community and wanting to do good. So we need to get to that. We need to uncover it and we need to understand it. Um, and the psychological test, as they were explaining to me, um, doesn't quite get you there, right? right? It gives you some information, but it doesn't necessarily give you enough. So we've got that element. And then we said, so what happens when we hire them, right? When they're in and they're now going into Recruit Academy, what information do we need to give them so that they are better able to access their emotional intelligence on demand in the situation, in the moment? And so we talked about bringing this emotional intelligence training into the academy, right? Bringing it into the academy, giving them an introduction and helping them understand who they are and how they respond and react to stress, which could be either contributing to whether they get home at night safety, safely or whether someone else does, right? And so you go into the situation with the goal of having everybody make it home safe. And then we need to be responding accordingly to make sure that that happened. So we, went, we talked hiring, recruit academy and then we went to performance management so what happens when we have to coach behavior what happens when we have to help someone get better and and so we went through all of these elements and then the final element was what do i how do i help my leaders so that they can better support this you know in the organization and with our recruits and as they are doing you know the training and following up and 
So we developed basically in my conversations with them, I developed a program uh, and it's called um, EI on Patrol. And it's really bringing those components of emotional intelligence into where they can be applied, applied practically, right? And, and on an ongoing basis, because as I mentioned earlier, there is no magic. This is about work. It's about developing a set of habits and behaviors that are going to serve you and the community well. And we need to work towards that. Now a word from our sponsor, the Police Officers Credit Union Association. The POCUA can suggest a credit union that serves public safety professionals in practically every state in the country. One state we definitely have covered is Colorado. Rocky Mountain Law Enforcement Federal Credit Union has been serving members of Colorado law enforcement and their families since 1938. They're more than a bank. They're a community united by the thin blue line. For more information about Rocky Mountain Law Enforcement Federal Credit Union, go to www.rmlefcu.org or call 303-458-6660. To find an institution to serve you in any of the other 49 states, go to policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals, and you deserve better. It's, it's interesting because I, too, have done some research on emotional intelligence, or as, as some people call it, EQ. Yeah. Uh, emotional quotient. Um, and I learned the hard way <laughs> over probably a course of at least a decade, probably two decades, that despite my IQ, uh, my my lack of EQ kept getting me in trouble, to use my uh, Chicago phrase, you know, when somebody was being a jagoff, I felt that <laughs> they not only needed to be told that they were a jagoff, but I was the exact person to make them aware of, of that fact. <laughs> Um, which, you know, it, <laughs> it, like you, like you referred to with, with windows up in a car, maybe not that big of a deal, but, uh, face to face across a, uh, a desk, probably not so much. Um, so yeah, if it's so important in business, you know, when you're in critical situations, uh, like in healthcare, like in law enforcement, you know, how much more important is it for that? Um, you know, to, yeah, and I truly believe, and sometimes I get a little bit of flack on this with some of my, uh, from some of my law enforcement friends, maybe you do as well, mm -hmm. is whether it's emotional intelligence or stress management or de-escalation programs and things of that nature, that that's too soft, that it's not realistic. And to, to that point, I always make the assertment that hey, you know, I'm pro law enforcement, but you know, I'm also pro anything that gets you home back to your family safely. Uh, I'm for that. <laughs> do, you, do you get some of that flack too in that, you know, hey, this is too soft. This is too woo woo. This isn't the real world. Or, or do you find uh, quite a bit of acceptance in this emotional intelligence concept in law enforcement? Well, I do think I do. We do get a lot of that. And I, and I think we understand why, right? Because it's a mindset. It's the environment that we create and, um, and we teach to. And so um, there is an acceptable way, you know, to sort of approach these things. However, we are dealing with people always. And what do we know about people? People are emotional creatures. 
So let me ask you a question, Kim. Do you consider yourself a logical decision maker or an emotional decision maker? Um, I'd like to call myself logical, although it isn't always like that every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what we know. And this is what research tells us. We are all emotional decision makers. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you a quick story. So there was a psychologist who was working with a patient that had a traumatic brain injury. Um, and the traumatic brain injury did not affect his prefrontal cortex, which is where all of his main thinking and that sort of um, executive function takes place. It affected his emotional control center. So they thought, okay, you know, he's good. He can still process and things. So he's having, um, the psychologist got a call from the man's wife and said, she said, something's not right. And he said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, See if you can figure it out, right? He's going to have a session with you. It's coming up. So they're in session. They have a normal conversation, a great discussion. And at the end of the discussion, a psychologist says, okay, so um, I have next Wednesday and next Thursday open at the same time. Which one works for you? And the gentleman goes, um, hmm. And the psychologist is thinking, this is not that hard. Right? Right. This is not <laughs> difficult. Wednesday or Thursday, which one, you know, works. He, he, he was, you want a he, cupcake or a muffin? This is exactly. a simple decision. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what, what they found is that, that he was struggling to make the decision because without his emotional control center, he simply didn't care. See, there are things, our emotions guide us. They yeah. are one of our most um, important sources of information. And without that, without that emotional control center, you're like, whatever, I don't know. I don't care. Pick a day. <laughs> right? It just doesn't matter. And so what we understand now based on the research uh, is that we are all emotional beings. Yeah. We make decisions based on emotion and we justify them using logic. Okay. Yeah. We make them uh, uh, decisions based on emotion. So knowing that not only is the other person on the other side that you're speaking to emotional, you are emotional as well, mm. right? So for every officer out there to just sort of put that in perspective, and what we teach them is to just get in touch with that a little bit. We're not talking about incense and woo-woo music, right? <laughs> unless <laughs> so, you're into that sort of thing. We're not going to judge. Unless you're into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're really simply <laughs> talking about elevating your awareness yeah. of yourself, how you think, how you process, how you react, and when, how you respond. And then what I say is that's only one piece of the picture. That's only one piece of the puzzle. Every act interaction has two people involved. So now what do you know about the other person? Mm -hmm. What do you know about what they might be thinking, where they might be coming from, what they might be feeling, what are they reacting to, right? You need both pieces of the puzzle before you can proceed and move forward. And that's what some of the work that we do in the Emotional Intelligence on Patrol um, program is really help you get in touch with who you are, make that connection with what's happening on the other side. Only when you have those two pieces of information should you move forward. Now, <laughs> this is happening in real time. This right. is happening real speed. We're not talking about sitting down for 30 minutes studying things, right? Yeah. This is all happening very rapidly. However, when you now have those two pieces of information, you can make much better decisions on number two, two things. What now, how now should you communicate given the information that you have? And then what should you do? given the information that you have. 
So it's really called outcomes-based communication is how I like to refer to it. The way that you respond um, is based on the outcome that you want to achieve and that you're hoping for. I'll make it, I'll, I'll give you an example that's really simple. So when yeah, I'm I talk a simple to a- guy, so, so keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> let's say there's a relationship. Let's take your spouse, for instance. Mm. And maybe there's a, a little bit of arguing going on and you're going back and forth and you're like, oh my gosh, I am so tired of this arguing. And I say, okay, so what are you feeling? Well, I'm sick of this and this is happening and I'm just fed up to here. And I say, okay, so tell me a little bit about your wife, right? What is she thinking? What is she feeling? What is her perspective? And then you're, I said, is she doing it on purpose? Well, no. But, but still, we've talked about this, right? And so we're going to go back and forth, but we're going to get both pieces. And here's the piece I'm going to ask you. I'm going to say, what do you want to come out of this? Mm -hmm. Right? And, and, and you would say what? A, a, a peaceful home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so now given the fact that you want a peaceful home, now I take you through the process of your communication mm -hmm. and your response. So what you are saying and what you are doing and how is that contributing to the peaceful home? Because if you are contributing to the argument every day, well, you're kind of working against your goal there, right? <laughs> Yeah. And so it, it, it's, it all lines up and it all makes just so much sense. But I think we've over overcomplicated emotional intelligence. And at the end of the day, my goal is have officers, leaders be able to leave my session and say, I know what to do like right now, you know, in the next moment, yeah. if I'm faced with a situation, I have an additional set of tools that again, is not a magic one-stop fix-all, but it equips me much more than I, than I was equipped before. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to be said, you know, whether it's at home or out in the street with that half second between stimulus and response. Yeah. Uh, and certainly we're not talking about a perpetrator coming at you with a weapon exactly. as a police officer. That's a completely different ball game. Uh, but you know, when you have somebody who's upset, you know, choosing to do something other than what you emotionally want makes right. so much of a difference. And, and having that aware, you talked about awareness and I, I've seen psychological papers and theories that even with smoking that yep. one of the actions that they take with smokers to begin to get them to stop smoking is they say you know, light up a cigarette and take a puff mm -hmm. yeah they're, they're always they're always kind of looking around it's like i'm supposed to be stopping <laughs> yeah i'm here to quit smoking not continue the habit and you're telling me to to light up a cigarette but they tell them to light up a cigarette and take a puff and then, and then to tell their psychologist or whoever's helping them. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you taste? You know, how does it feel? And more times than not, they say, you know, this tastes like crap. <laughs> and, and you know, it's just, just that moment, you know, you've gotten so used to just having and doing that action that you never really thought about in that awareness of, you know, this really doesn't taste that good. Why am I doing this to myself? Um, and I, I think... Certainly, and I, I've heard of other programs in the academy um, like yours that are so valuable to recruits, <clears throat> but we need to keep teaching this because I've seen a number of times, again, vicariously, I've never been a police officer, but you learn the right way and then you don't go through this training for 10 years 
and you exactly. forget you forget all that you don't you've lost that mental muscle memory of okay you know i really shouldn't be yelling at this guy that i could make a different choice and even if for no other reason to make it easier on myself <laughs> exactly so, so how do we keep this training going throughout a, a law enforcement career you know it's, it's such an important question because um so <clears throat> learning theory says that mm. the initial information that you give only gets you about 20% of the way there. Right. Right. So if you're hoping to change behavior and you're simply going to give someone a webinar or some information and walk away, you're not doing it. And so if that are, if those are the programs that we're hoping to use to change behavior, and this is where my personal frustration comes in with these types of programs is we bring in an expert like myself and we say, okay, wow, that was great, really great information, but you can't bring me in if you're going to tell me that all you want me to do is have a one hour webinar with your team. Mm -hmm. I'm not coming because yeah. that's not serving you. Right. Yeah. And my, my purpose is to serve and to support and to help and to help you have officers that feel more equipped than they did before I came. And I can't do that in an hour. Right. Yeah. And so the way that we continue this is we follow up like so we integrate it. And now how are they being coached by their leaders after I leave? Right? How, how are, you know, the, the commanders and how are they having the conversation and following it up and how is it embedded in the scenario training? How are we then having it included in the performance management discussions that we're having? What is the annual training look like? Because you can't have this be a one and done yeah. because they say that 70%, uh, some, some go to 80%, 70 to 80% of what we do is habitual. You don't even have to think about it, right? If you had to think about everything that you did, your brain would go crazy, right? I don't really <laughs> need to think a lot to walk up the stairs. I kind of got the rhythm, you know, I know how to do that. And if I didn't have that, my brain would be going, oh my gosh, one more thing you're asking me to do. Mm -hmm. So we have to develop habits. We have to get that, as you referenced earlier, the muscle memory. Well, mm -hmm. one session doesn't do that. It's repetition. It's following up. It's having those conversations. It's saying, tell me about an emotional intelligence moment you had at home with your daughter or your mm -hmm. son, or, right? It's forcing that application of the information. Yeah. And that's how we get this to make a difference. So for those teams that are really looking to make a difference, you've got to embed it. You've got to integrate it. I have a model that I call um, the transformation model. And the model that I use is, um, it drives me just a little bit crazy when people say that information is power. Just a little bit, right? It just <laughs> tweaks me just a little bit. Because information is simply information. Right. If you don't do anything with it, you haven't done anything, right? So it's not really power. It's just, yeah. I mean, I have information all the time that I don't do anything with. I know I shouldn't eat French fries, but I love them. And so I eat them anyway. Kind of like me and, and pizza, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? And so, the information, sort of the transformative model is, it starts with information, right? So you get some information, you get a piece of knowledge. The next mm. step is application. So what is, how does it look to try this on, right? To see how this feels, to begin to play with the skill set a little bit. You go from application to integration. 
And now I'm building it into what I do. I'm making it a part of my routine. I've got it as a part of my thought process. And the more you continue the integrative process, then all of a sudden it really becomes that muscle memory. Now I don't have to think about it. Now it's second nature because I got it. That's transformation. So from information to application, to integration, to transformation. That's how you change behavior. That's how you give your uh, officers an additional skill set. Um, that's how we make emotional intelligence something that we can use instead of this cool, fun buzz term that no one knows what to do with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I hear of this whole defunding the police crap every once in a while still, and I always yeah. say, you know what, we, we need more funding, frankly, but we need more funding not for, for weapons and in, in, uh, in training for being on the street, but more of this, whether it's your program or uh, or Sean Wyman's, you know, Beyond the Call program, or mm -hmm. Olivia Olivia Mead's Yoga for First Responders. We need more of this so that you know maybe we not only have things that are going to be better on the streets for these guys, but also maybe lower some of this divorce and domestic violence and all this other stuff that we've got going on with our law enforcement professionals. Uh, well, I know I know you don't have a silver bullet. And I, I know that it takes more than a webinar to, to really to really help. But if you were to give one number one tip for our, our stressed out police officers, healthcare workers, firefighters, and other public safety professionals out there, you know, what would that number one tip be? Yeah, I think if I had to give one tip, um, it really would be to pay attention to how you feel. Yeah. Pay attention to how you feel because it really is truly one of the greatest sources of information you have at your disposal. You know, whether the feeling is um, being overwhelmed, being frustrated, um, being jealous if I see a new Corvette, right? Whatever, whatever, <laughs> that, whatever that feeling is, it's telling me something. And if you pay attention and you tune in, then you can do something with the information that you're being given. Yeah. But it's when we dismiss that and we don't pay attention and we just continue our habit and our routine that we really can get caught up. And, and I want to go back to something that you said, because you mentioned defunding the police. Talk about emotional intelligence, right? It's, it's a very poor choice of words, mm -hmm. right? Every one of our communities needs police. So what in the heck does that even mean, right? Nobody wants to defund the police. I get what they're trying to say, right. but it was very poorly said. And when you're talking about emotional intelligence, it's about being a little bit more intentional with your word choices. It's about being more thoughtful in the way that you communicate. You know, hey, I'm a black female with three black sons. I get it, right? And so, um, however, the way that we talk about this is important and it's meaningful and it matters. So I don't want anyone going out there saying stupid stuff that just <laughs> is not serving us well. If you want to talk about how do we better equip our officers to really partner with the community and collaborate, I'm all for that conversation. Yeah. But just to throw a buzz term out there to get a reaction, um, I think does not help anyone. It doesn't help the community and it doesn't help the officers who put so much on the line uh, to protect and to serve us all day, every day. So we've got to do a much, much better 
her job of communicating these things in, in emotionally intelligent ways, right? Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent point. I think it goes back to um, the point that you made on information versus knowledge. I think, you mm -hmm. know, we, we have so much access to information. You know, I could, I could yell out Google here and, and I could get, you know, basically any fact that I want, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to turn it into knowledge. And I think that when you say something like defund the police without mm -hmm. any plan or logic behind it, yeah. um, it, it just it just serves as being more divisive. Uh, to that point, I've asked many people, um, usually it's on Facebook, which is not good for me, um, <laughs> is, okay, well, you know, and I, I come at them with logic and not emotions. Like, okay, well, what is, if we did that, then what is the plan? Well, I don't, I don't know. It's like, well, then, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm all for talking about it. I think that there needs to be massive change. And I think it's an opportunity for change. But don't give me a phrase and then not come back to me with some logic or plan to it. If you have the latter, then great. Let's talk about it and let's make some change instead of Absolutely. just simply putting that out there. Um, Rhonda, I could talk to you for hours and hours. <laughs> um, such an excellent, insightful conversation. Uh, the last question I have for you for today, at least, is where can our audience find you if they want to find out more about your programs and, and also possibly bringing them into to their organization? Absolutely. So they can reach me on my website, thestressfreeleader.net, thestressfreeleader.net. And uh, to get more information on the program, on the there's a header on the menu item there that says emotional intelligence for law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, there's a form that they can reach out and just schedule a conversation. It's just a conversation. It, you may find that it does or does not meet the needs of your department at the moment. But I think that um, in having that conversation, most folks will find that it varies a little bit from what they're already doing. And it's an additional tool set to help officers uh, do the important work that they're doing all day, every day, and to make sure that they get home safely and everyone else gets home safely too, as much as possible. Yeah, and that that is the goal, is to get everybody home safely uh, yeah. as much as possible. Um, definitely go out there and and go to stressfreeleader.net, find out these programs, uh, definitely take a close look at them. Uh, more important, Rhonda, loved our conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure being here. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I told you I would make it painless. Uh, and, it's, and the fun has been all mine. My pleasure. Thank you again. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we will be with you in about a week with another great episode. Take care. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.